go to Genesis. Let's let's get spiritual now. Genesis uh, chapter two. Last week, um, I dealt with uh, one subject of three I'm wanting to cover, and I started off last week with Psalms eleven three, where it says, "If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do?" And I do believe that there is a uh, conscious, directed effort at destroying the foundations of our society in America. I believe we are seeing this. It's it's very clear. And I believe it's a successful fight that they're having. And I believe if we do not have revival in this country, we are in big, big trouble. Okay, And uh, whether our country or not is in trouble or not in trouble has nothing to do with how this election turns out. It has everything to do with are we going to get right with God. I'm getting sick and tired of hearing people saying, you know, we've got to have this person for our country to be okay. These people that are running right now, they cannot fix our country. Only God can fix our country. God's people, we've got to get right. We've got to, we've got to turn from our wicked ways. And we've got to humble ourselves and seek His face. We need to be looking for God to solve the problems in our country. And uh, we need to remember what the things are all about. We need to remember the foundations of our society. We need to remember the way God set things up because you know, our country is not going the right direction. But that doesn't mean we don't have to go the right direction. We can still do the right thing. We can still, you can still turn out good families. You can still be a good, successful Christian. You can still be happy. Even in a, even in a crazy messed up world, I believe we can still have peace in Christ, but we've got to be doing the right thing. And so last week, you know, we talked about how, uh, in, in the beginning, in the very beginning, before even the curse, one of the first things God did is He gave man a job to do. We need we need something to do. We need work to do. And you know, men, we're, you know, men and women, we're proud of we're, we're proud of the work that we do. You know, that's that's what we like to talk about. Uh, we like to talk about the things that we've accomplished, and there's nothing wrong with that. And our country, we have a very poor work ethic right now. We've got a lot of people that feel like they're entitled to everything, and uh, that's that's not right. That's not the way it's supposed to be. But then. The second, th- but today I want us to look at the second thing that we see that God, something that God set up in the beginning. I mean, before the curse. This was some, this was around. What we're going to talk about tonight. It was around before man even fell. Before there was a curse, and that is this word that people do not necessarily like. It's one that's uh, people. You know, they do. They kind of frown on it, and they just automatically get rebellious when they hear this word. And that is the word authority. Authority. We don't like that word, but I want to talk about some biblical authority today. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, note this is before Adam and Eve have sinned. It says in verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. We see here, before you know, man ever sinned, God gave a law. Just like God gave man work to do before there was a curse, God also gave them a law. He gave them a command. Something that they were not supposed to do. And notice that God only gave one law. And I'm going to teach you a very important lesson here. I've talked about this before, but if you've, ne- if you've never gotten this, you need to get this. This is a very important thing to understand because when we study biblical authority it helps us understand really how you know things should work in a community in a state 
in a country. The reason many people vote wrong, many people they don't have a, they don't understand really just how governments are supposed to work. And there are we we are supposed to have governments. They are supposed you know they can be a good thing, but we're getting all the wrong people in there who have the wrong ideas, the wrong motivations, and how things are supposed to work. And when we understand biblically how authority is supposed to work, I think it will really help us just understand how things should run even in even in the government. But before God, before man ever sinned, God gave a law. He only gave them one law. But notice throughout the Bible, we see God continually adding laws, don't we? Okay. By the time we get to Exodus, that's when He gives you know He gives the Ten Commandments, and then He gives them a whole bunch of laws. Okay. And as, but as time went on, He would add laws. For example, after after the flood. After the flood, that was when God instituted human government. And God said, "Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed." Okay, when when if somebody kills somebody, if somebody murders someone, that person is should be put to death by the government. Okay, and the government is made up of people. You know, government. You know, it's of the people, by the people, and for the people. God instituted human government way back then, and God added that law of the death penalty. We see things in the Bible too, where there were things that man did that we know are wrong, but at the same time, God didn't really do anything to them because it was before God had given the law. On those things, when we see we see, for example, have you ever read the Old Testament and seen how many guys or how many uh, women some of these kings married? You know, Solomon had seven hundred wives. I mean, what in the world's going on there? David, a man after God's own heart. I don't know how many wives he had. He had several, not as many as Solomon, but he had several wives. But you know, there was no law before that given that said one wife. But at the same time, we see in the New Testament where the principle was always there. Okay, Jesus, He referred to the principle with Adam and Eve. God said He made male and female. God said the two shall be one flesh. You know, what God had joined together, let not man put asunder. There were some things that weren't spelled out, but yet man should have known better, but they didn't. And because man didn't just you know, exercise common sense, we see laws were added over time. And then even in the New Testament, more laws are added. We see things like love your enemy that was added there in the New Testament. You know, we see those kind of things that Jesus added. You know, we see things like not only are you not supposed to, uh, you know, kill, you're not supposed to hate your brother even in your heart. Not only are you not supposed to commit adultery, you're not supposed to look at a woman to lust after. I mean, we see laws added. Why are laws added? Well, there's a reason for that. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 at what it says. It said, and this is this is important. This is something we need to understand about laws. We got a lot of people running around all the time saying, you know, we need, you know, the federal government to, you know, make laws, you know, restricting this, doing this, doing that. Look, but look what First Timothy chapter one says, verse nine. It says, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, 
for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. The reason we have to make new laws all the time is because of wickedness of man. There are some laws that shouldn't need to be made. For example, you know, laws about murdering. Okay, we ought to just know you don't need to murder. Okay, we ought we ought to know better than that. But yet, some people they still do it. So you know what? They got to make laws. They put penalties on those laws. You see a lot of the gun laws that they made. That they make. Why are they trying to make these gun laws? Because there's a lot of bad people. There's a lot of wicked people. They don't like to talk about wickedness. They don't like to talk about evil that go and they shoot people up. Now listen, I say I've said this before. I don't need any gun laws. I don't need them. See, I'm not I'm not trying to brag, but I don't need gun laws. I've owned guns. I got my first gun when I was 12 years old. And you know what? I've never shot anybody. I've never I've never threatened to shoot anybody. I don't need gun laws. They don't need the government does not need to make gun laws to keep me under control. I have the law of God. I don't I don't need that. They I can have you could give me you know fully automatic machine guns and all kinds of things like that, and I would enjoy those things, and I would never hurt anybody that wasn't asking for it. You know I, I would never go murder somebody with those things. I wouldn't do that. I don't need those laws. And you know what? Most people in this country don't need those laws. You know, we got a lot of people in this country that have been toting guns for years and never done anything to anybody, but why do they want to add laws? Because of wickedness. Because of wicked, evil people. And you know what these politicians, they need to start saying if they want to pass new gun laws, is they start, they need to just say, you know what? We're trying, we're going to pass this law because America's wicked. Because America's evil. Because they don't do that. They always do it trying to say, oh no, we're trying to protect everyone. We're trying to help you. Man's basically good. And you know, people wouldn't go shooting other people if it wasn't for guns. No, they need to just call it what, you know, there's, there's people out there that are evil. And then they need to go after the evil people. They need to go after the wicked people. That's what they need to do. But some people, they need more laws than other people. Some places need more laws than other places. Okay, how many heard, heard about all the shootings that happened in Rock Falls this week? You didn't hear about it, did you? You know why? They didn't happen. Okay, how many heard about all the shootings that went on this week in Chicago? Uh, I, I, I heard it was already up to five yesterday morning. Five people dead from shootings in Chicago. Okay, now why would Illinois try to pass laws for the whole state, you know, just for Chicago? You know, Chicago, they need to, you know, Chicago needs to get walled off and they just need to let them police themselves, if you ask me. But, you know, but they do. They want to, they want to pass laws that affect the whole state. That's not right. That's not how it's supposed to work. And we're going to, but at the same time, you know, this attitude of one law fits all, it's not right. That does not, that does not make any sense. Some families, they might need more rules than other families do. Why? Because maybe their kids are more rotten. Maybe their kids have more behavioral problems. Maybe they're, you know, maybe they're prone to do more things. When I, when I used to teach in the Christian school, I used to tell the kids all the time, you don't, they always would complain whenever we would have new rules. And I would always tell them, you know why we have new rules? Because you guys find new bad things to do. Stop doing bad stuff and we won't have to make up new rules. I mean, some of these rules are ridiculous, but you guys are doing ridiculous things. Start being good, start behaving, and we don't have to have these rules. 
And we don't, we don't, we don't need to think about it. We don't need to worry about it. But when people do wrong, you know, you gotta step in and you gotta say, alright, now, now we gotta have this rule. Now we've gotta have this law. And so, but, and so when you see in the Bible how laws were added, it's because man kept getting more and more wicked. And if our country keeps getting more and more wicked, you know, they're gonna keep trying to add more and more rules and laws and, Sometimes people who don't deserve are going to get hurt because of it. But I think we all would agree, though, that more laws equal less liberty, but we must remember that all laws, they are inspired by wickedness. We can't just, and so that means we can't just do whatever we feel like doing and expect to have liberty. How many of you all enjoy whenever you get a loan, you buy a car, you buy a house? How many of you enjoy signing all those papers? Why do you why do you like signing? I mean, does anybody enjoy that? I mean, I I just want to buy a stamp and just stamp all of them because I I get you know writer's cramp from writing so much signing papers. Why do you have to do that? You know why? Every single one of those papers were inspired by someone who did not go through with their end of the deal, who did not make the payment like they were supposed to, who found a way to get out of the deal, and so they've got to you know the bank's got to have one more thing to protect themselves, one more thing that you have to sign, why can't we just go back to shaking someone's hand? Why, why don't we do that anymore? You know why? Because we've got too many liars. We've got too many deadbeats who don't pay their bills and do what they're supposed to do. So we've got all these laws and rules and regulations and it stinks. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. You know, I don't like it too when I just want to go get some kind of medicine. And it's amazing all the medicines now that, you know, you can't just go buy them off a shelf anymore. Why? Because some wicked person figured out how to make, you know, meth out of it or something. And so, you know, I've heard they're even trying to regulate bath salts now. Maybe I shouldn't say this. I don't want to give any kids in here any ideas, but apparently there's a way you can use that like drugs. And it is dangerous stuff. And so now, you know, you can't, you can't even buy that anymore. You know, now, I mean, I think you ought to be able to just go buy bullets and... Not, but you know, you got to have your FOID card to buy bullets. You know, and it's like, why do we? Do? Because of all the people who misuse them, who do things wrong. They are the ones that inspire laws. And so people think that liberty means I can just do whatever I want. But here's the thing: when you just do whatever you feel like doing in your sinful nature, you end up losing liberty. You end up causing problems for everybody. And a civilized society, they make laws to protect themselves from themselves. That's what, that's what we do. We make laws to protect ourselves. Our founding fathers, they wrote a constitution that was meant to limit government. Why? Because it knew what government was capable of becoming. They had seen a monstrous government. They came from England that had a king that was trying to run things in America from way across the sea. And it was terrible what, they, what was going on. And so they said, we can't have this. We can't allow it to ever happen in America. So they wrote a constitution. And that, comic, that constitution, it limit, it's supposed to limit what the federal government can do. Every one of our elected officials, they are supposed to swear to uphold the Constitution. It is the highest law in our land. And, but at the same time, though, we're seeing how it's crumbling. It's falling apart. 
and I, I believe it's because our generation today, and it's it's been going on since before this generation, but we have a major problem with authority. We don't understand how authority works. We are, we have a problem with authority to begin with, and we need to understand that authority is a good thing, and there is nothing to be ashamed of when you are under biblical authority. Authority is a blessing. It is something that God set up. It was something that God gave. Even before man had fallen into sin, God set up authority structures. And so first off, I want to show you that uh, I want to show you some authority structures that God set up. First off, there's an authority structure even in heaven. In John chapter 6 verse 38, Jesus said, "For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me." Jesus Christ, okay, was under the authority of God the Father. Now, if Jesus Christ can submit himself to authority, if He's able to humble Himself and do that, I think we ought to be able to do that too. You know why people don't want to submit to any authority today? They have a pride problem. They think, everybody automatically thinks, if I'm under their authority, that means you think that they are better than me. Well, listen. God the Father, God the Son, they're both perfect. They're both holy. They're both without sin. But yet, even in heaven, we see that God the Father, He is the one ultimately in authority. And Jesus Christ submitted Himself to the will of the Father. Jesus said, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but Thy will be done. Jesus Christ was able to do that. Look at Philippians chapter 2. What it says, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You need to think like Jesus thought. When it comes to authority, people don't think like Jesus thought. I'm going to bring up a couple things about authority that you know that society frowns on. That people, I mean, it, it bothers people. But if it, this bothers you, it's because you don't have a mind like Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, verse six, who being in the form of God, okay, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus Christ lowered himself. He humbled himself. He humbled himself and he was obedient to God. We see that he did not want to take drink that cup of sin. But the Father told him to, and he did it. And he did it willingly. He didn't put up a fight. He humbled himself. He was obedient. Verse 9, and because of that, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we see there is an authority structure in heaven. God the Father, He is the ultimate authority, and Jesus Christ is below Him. Okay? And if Jesus Christ, who is perfect, was willing to submit Himself to an authority, an authority that He was equal with, then I think we ought to be able to do that too. And It takes humility. Jesus had to have humility to do it, and He had it. And we ought to be able to do the same thing too. We see there's an authority structure in the church. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 
chapter 5, verse 1, "...the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God." He's talking to the elders. "...feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind." neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you and do time. Now there's many other passages we can show you that shows that some of the same things it says here, but this here pretty much says it all. We see that Jesus Christ, He is the head of the church. The Bible says He is the head of the church, the Savior of the body. We'll look at that passage in a little bit. Jesus Christ, He is the chief shepherd. But you know what? There's also pastors in the church. Pastor and shepherd, same thing. The uh, The elders... Or, the, uh, or where the pastor would come from. We've talked about that before. We've, I did a message on pastors, elders, deacons, bishops, what all that means, how that all works. But there is an authority structure in the church. And the Bible says we ought to submit ourselves to each other. We ought to submit one to another. We ought to humble ourselves. Notice how it keeps mentioning humbling. Whenever you see submission to authority, it, it means you have to humble yourself. If I have to make, you know, if like, if a husband has to make his wife submit, that's not really submission. You know, if you got to physically force somebody to do something, that's not submission. Submission is when somebody willingly does it, when they willingly will follow someone else's authority, and people look at that and they they just can't stand that. You know, a lot of churches are turning to these elder-run churches because uh, they don't like the thought of pastoral authority. You know, that, that word authority bothers them. But listen, God, God gave a pastor in the church. A pastor, he is, he is a bishop. He, a bishop, it's an overseer. There's, there's somebody that oversees everything and it's a position that God put in the church. And if you submit yourself, it does not mean you are less then we see that Jesus was equal with God, yet Jesus submitted Himself. And if you submit yourself in matters of things in the church to a pastor, it doesn't mean you're less of a person. You know what it means? It means you're like Christ. It means that you are humbling yourself. It means you're being submissive. That is a very Christ-like trait. That is the mindset that Jesus Christ had. The Bible says, let that mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He made Himself of no reputation. He took upon Himself the form of a servant. But you, know, and there, you, might, you in here, you might be smarter than me. You might be more talented than me. You, know, you might be able to get up and prove to everyone how much better you are than me and be absolutely right. But you know what? That would be making yourself a reputation. That's opposite of what Jesus Christ did. In fact, that's kind of exactly what the devil did, wasn't it? The devil, he had his place that was in heaven. Lucifer. It was a very high place, but it was not equal with Christ. But you know what? He thought, I can be with him. He didn't want to submit to that authority. And there's a reason that we all struggle with authority is we get it from the devil. Satan had that same problem. And we see it is very clear in the Bible that to be in submission to authority, it does not mean you are any less of a person. 
It doesn't matter what other people say. It is very clear. Even Jesus Christ submitted to authority. So we have there's an authority structure in heaven. We see there's an authority structure in the church. We see there's an authority structure in the home. Ephesians chapter five, verse twenty-two. Oh, brother Tom, you're not going to go there. I mean, this is 2016, and we're probably going to be getting a woman president, you know, here uh, pretty soon. And you know, we definitely can't be, you know, living in these days. Listen, this is the way God set it up. And there is, we see very clearly here the roles in the home. And if anybody in here thinks that this is saying women are not equal with men, then you have not been paying attention to the thing I said. We see God and Jesus are equal, but yet God is the one that is in authority. Okay? And so this is not saying women are less. Women are not as important. Don't, you know, don't go off the feminist spin. On this stuff. But Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And He is the Savior of the body. You know what? I'm going to start using this. At any time a woman tells me she doesn't have to submit to her husband, then I'm going to say, well, fine. Since uh, you don't have to submit to your husband who's the head then I don't have to submit to Christ who is the head and I'm just going to start doing whatever I want to in the church. How do you like that? <laughs> it's the same thing. Me just doing whatever I want to do as a pastor would be the same thing as a wife doing whatever she wants when it comes to the authority of her husband. You can't do that. It makes no sense. The husband is the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church and that He is the Savior of the body, therefore as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. But what if I'm smarter than my husband? You know, the Bible says in everything. This is the way he set it up. You think God can't straighten your husband out? Listen, the Bible says, submit yourselves to your husband as to the Lord. Okay? So if you just, if you just got too much pride and you can't bring yourself to submit to your husband, submit to the Lord. Well, how do I submit to the Lord? Listen to your husband. Okay? So, fine. Don't listen to your husband. Listen to the Lord. Which means submit to your husband. And see, you think God can't take care of your husband if he needs it? Do you think that little of God that he can't he can't deal with them? Let me tell you, people have car wrecks every day. You know, people die of weird ways every day. If you really think that you know your husband's that bad, okay, just say, Lord, I'm going to keep trusting you. And if your husband's about to take you off a cliff. God can stop them. God can take care of them. Don't don't worry about it. Verse twenty four. Therefore, as church subject Christ I already read that. Verse twenty five. Husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Interesting, because he's quoting a verse all the way from the very beginning in Genesis. When God made Adam and Eve. Verse 33, Nevertheless, every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Okay? Y'all see that word reverence her husband in there? Okay, now that's a pretty strong word there too. And I'm just going to throw this in there too. I'm against calling preachers reverent. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where you all have to reverence 
mean. But I do see where a wife's supposed to reverence her husband. So if you wives want to call your husband reverend, uh, that, that's, completely, <laughs> that's completely biblical and appropriate right there. So anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in for bonus there. But uh, anyway, so we see there is an authority structure in the home. We see in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first command with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Okay, It is very clear that children are supposed to obey their parents. What is God's will for your life right now, children? It's to obey your parents. Obey them in the Lord. This is right. What if I don't have very good parents? God can deal with your parents. Okay, Just trust God. Sometimes God... Has us, you know, puts us in situations where it is tough, where we've got to have faith. But you know what? You've just got to, you've got to submit and say, you know what? Maybe you do know better than your parents, but you don't know better than God. And He said, obey your parents. Wives, you might know better than your husbands, but you don't know better than God. And He told you to submit to your husband. We just got to understand that, you know, God knows what He's doing, and we just need to trust Him. And it's called. Submission. Yeah, I I can disobey. I have the power to disobey God. But then I gotta deal with the consequences of it. Okay, you know, women, you want to be empowered, you want to feel strong, you know, okay, go you can disobey your husbands. This is twenty sixteen. You don't have to listen to them. You can you can divorce them if you want for no reason. This is America. But you know what? You're not gonna please God in that situation. You're not gonna help our society out. You're not even gonna help yourself out. You're not going to be happier if you do that. We understand that you can't. You might even be able to beat your husband up. But you know what? You ought to, you ought to submit. You ought to, you ought to submit to him. And so and it's it's Bible. But we don't boy, we frown on that. This type of thing. Oh, this is so olden dayish. You know, where you know what time era are you from? I'm from a time era that was a whole lot better than the time era we're living in now. Okay, and think our society is is falling. It's falling apart. No respect for authority. We see there's an authority structure in the job. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Servants, be obedient unto them that are your masters. Okay, we don't use that term today, but aren't you glad you don't have to call your manager master? Okay? But master, manager, boss. Okay? It's the same thing. Okay? It's the same. We, it's so funny. You know, it's all, you got all these women. I am, I'm never gonna let my husband tell me what to do. I am female, hear me roar. I am not gonna let any man tell me what to do. And then they go to work, and the boss tells them what to do, and he's a man. <laughs> oh, congratulations for you. Boy, you cracked the glass ceiling. You know, you, boy, you really showed your independence. Hey, we all have masters. We all have people that we submit to. And you think you're so great because you don't listen to your husband. You go listen to another man out there in the workplace somewhere. You're a phony. Alright? You are, you are a, uh, you're, you're a phony if that's the case. You submit to him, you won't submit to your husband. Okay? You ought to do both. Okay? Men, you ought to submit to your boss at work. You need, you, you need, you need to follow the rules, follow the procedures. Look what it says. Be obedient unto them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. We're supposed to obey them like we obey Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers. But as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Now, we all, if you don't know what that means, not with eye services, men pleasers, something we've all seen. 
Okay, how many have ever been working and maybe one of your coworkers was goofing off, and then all of a sudden the boss shows up and all of a sudden he's acting like he's working again? Okay, that's called with eye service as men pleasers. You know, he'll work one way when the boss isn't around, but another way when he's not around. No, we don't. Not, that's not what's supposed to happen. Your boss ain't be able to tell you what to do. And you go and you do it, and he shouldn't have to be cracking a whip. He shouldn't have to be, you know, looking over your shoulder. He shouldn't have to be threatening you. Okay, look what it says in verse seven: uh, with good will, doing service as to the Lord, and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, okay, your your masters, your boss, he's got somebody he's submitting to too. And it says, Ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is their respective persons with him. Okay? So even if you are the big boss of a company, okay, you've got a master in heaven. And you know what? You ought to treat your employees, your servants, we don't use that term, okay? Your servants, your slaves. Okay? That's not another term we use, but it basically means the same thing. Alright, sorry, sorry to burst your bubble there, but it basically means the same thing. You, you need to take care of them. You need to be good to them. You need to pay them, you know, what you owe them. You need, you need to do right by them. It's, it's just authority. It's the way it works. It is a good thing. We see there's an authority structure in the government. Go to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. It says, let every soul be subject to the higher powers. Okay, we talk about this now. Ultimately, we know that God is the highest power that there is. God is our ultimate authority, okay? But God does tell us we have to submit, you know, to the high, you know, powers in our land. And we're safe as long as they're not going against what the Bible tells us to do. But what is the highest law in our land? Okay? It's the Constitution. Okay? It's not the President. It's not even the Supreme Court. It's the Constitution. That is the highest law of our land. We're supposed to be subject unto it. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil wilt thou thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same." For he is a minister of God to thee for good, but if thou doest that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause, pay ye tribute. I hate that verse. Also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. We're supposed to pay taxes. Okay? But notice that, you know, and I've talked about this before, the role of the government, a biblical government, is to punish evildoers, okay? Not to spread the wealth, not to give fairness for everybody, not to give free health care and give out free things. You know, that's not, that's not government. That, that's just a mess, okay? But understand that we are supposed to submit to those higher powers. And look over at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13. It says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers 
and for the praise of them that do well, for so is the will of God that with well-doing we have put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Alright, so we see another passage there about submitting to every ordinance of man. So now, you know, how is this supposed to work? And this is, I'm afraid we forgot what we don't understand. Okay, first of all, I want you to think of our government as a pyramid. I actually have a diagram up here. You wouldn't be able to see, I should have put it up on there on the screen for you, but think of it as a pyramid. And at the top of that pyramid, you've got the federal government, okay? And then right below the federal government, you've got state governments. And there's a lot more state governments than there are federal governments, right? And then below that, you've got county governments. And there's a lot more county governments than there are state governments. And then below that, you have local communities like Rock Falls, Sterling. We have our own governments here. And then even below that, your own neighborhoods can have their own governments. Okay? And then below that, at the very bottom of the pyramids, and this is where most of them are at, and this is the most important one. This is the foundational one. This is the one we're going to be talking about next week. That's, local, that's individual families. Okay? Individual families. Okay? And that federal government, that one on top, is just supposed to be there basically to protect the rights of those individual families, those people in the bottom. I'm going to tell you what has happened in this country. At the bottom of the pyramid, okay, where you have the individual families, you've got a lot of people that are not doing their job. You've got husbands that are not being providers. You've got husbands and wives that are not raising their children, that are not training their children, that are not providing for their children. And when families aren't doing the right thing, when families aren't doing what they're supposed to do, somebody's got to step in. Okay, and sometimes you know it used to be a lot more of this. You know, local communities would have a lot of programs that dealt with a lot of things. You know, maybe with hunger, helping widows, uh, whatever it was. A lot of them did that, but they've started neglecting those things. Okay, but right above that one, you've got neighborhoods. Okay, neighborhoods. I believe a neighborhood has the right. To you know, have you ever seen those fancy neighborhoods where you've got to have certain color garbage cans? Uh, you know, you're not. I, I've been in neighborhoods before. You're not allowed to leave. Uh, you're not allowed to have cars in your parking lot. They've got to be parked in your garage. You know, the houses all have to be bricked. They all got to look a certain way. Everybody's got to have a certain type of mailbox because they want everything to look neat. Okay. Now let me tell you something. I am 100% for people if they want to move to a place like that and they want to have something like that. That's fine. Why do they do that? They want to keep their neighborhood looking nice. They don't want somebody like me coming next door that's always burning junk in their yard and you know and and got a bunch of kids that make a lot. You know, they they don't want people like me. They don't want people there with a lot of kids. And they know people with six kids can't afford to live in places like that. And so if they want to do that, that's fine. I'm not going to move there. Okay? There are some places you're not allowed to have pets, chickens, things like that. Hey. If you want to live someplace like that, if you want to set that up in your neighborhood, go ahead. I'm not going to move there. But you have the right to do that. All right? You know, local communities. We should have the right in this community to say, you know what? There's certain things that we don't want here. There are some places that are dry counties where they're not allowed to sell alcohol. Those things still exist in America. Dry counties. There are places where they've said, no, we do not want gambling in our in our our community. We don't want these things. And they ought to have they have a right to do that type of thing. 
you know, counties, they, they, ought, they have certain things that they should be able to do. But one thing that's happened, because, and you know, we could, I could go on with a lot of details. I want to try to make this brief, but because the family has fallen apart, as a result of that, when you have a family, when you have kids that aren't being fed, okay, when they're not being taken care of, and neighbors see that type of thing, there was a time when the neighborhood, maybe, they would reach out and they would help. You know, maybe they would feed those kids. They would share. But you know what? We don't really do that anymore. What neighborhoods have done, they've tried to kind of pass it along and say, hey, you know what? You know, let's let, let's let the county deal with it. And the county's like, well, you know, we don't have the money for it. You know, let's have the state deal with it. And the state, we don't have, let's have the, everything's getting pushed up the pyramid. Everybody's pushing everything up to the federal government. And right now, we're seeing in states, okay, states are not allowed to even make their own laws anymore. States, they've tried to pass laws, you know, just saying men have to use men bathrooms and women have to use women bathrooms. And what does the federal government do? They're saying we're not going to fund certain things in your state, and states are dependent on the federal government now. It shouldn't be that way. But how did that happen? Everybody kept saying, you know, federal government, take this responsibility. You know, and we're seeing that in a lot of the public schools. They want to make rules. You know, they're from a community that's maybe, you know, a better one, maybe one that, you know, has some common sense. They're like, yeah, we don't want boys going into girls' locker rooms. But now, because we've been passing the buck along when it comes to educating our kids and training our kids, we've been passing it to the federal government. The federal government is going to say, okay, we're not going to give you any money, and now the schools. What are we going to do? We've, we've got we've got to do this. You know, we're always we're always passing passing the buck. There is no respect for the authority of police officers in our country today. We're seeing that. Okay, and one of the things that's happening, whenever a policeman does something bad, what does everybody do? They all they all go straight to the top. They go straight to the federal government. What does the president have to say about this? What is the president going to do about it? And then he steps in and. Our community, we ought to be able to police ourselves. You all realize that? Rock Falls ought to be able to police itself without the help of the federal government. We shouldn't have to have military here. We shouldn't need any of that. But you know what? There are some communities that need that. You know, Chicago, I think the military needs to go there. You know, they were all worried about invading Iraq because of all the people Saddam Hussein was killing. Why don't we go invade Chicago? Look look at all the people that are getting killed there. But just understand, this happens when families fall apart. Okay, Things end up getting pushed up the ladder, up to the top of the pyramid, and we have a very powerful federal government. We lost states' rights in this country years and years ago. We're seeing the effects of it now, of not having states' rights. We saw when they they decided to pass the law letting men marry men and stuff, that certain states, they tried to stand up against it, and our Supreme Court said, no, you don't have states' rights. We should have those things. Why don't we have states' rights anymore? You know why? Because we kept pushing things up to the federal government. Why do families not have rights anymore? I mean, they're trying to do, they're trying to do things like mandatory vaccines. Some places it's hard to homeschool your kids. I mean, they're doing all these, trying to tell families what to do and everything. How did that happen? Families weren't doing what they were supposed to do. No, I'll let the schools take care of it. Well, you know, schools, they can't afford to do everything. We got now, we've got tax money going towards, you know, paying for kids' lunches and food all the time. They've got, schools are doing breakfast now. Why can't parents do that? I don't know, we, we can't afford it. We'll let the schools do it. 
schools, but we can't afford to do it either. We're going to need some money. Well, our town doesn't have it. The state doesn't have it. Let's go get it from the federal government. And the federal government is funding things in our schools, in our local community. Why in the world do we need federal government giving money? Because we've been pushing everything off. You know, saying, let it go. Let them take care of it. And that is not the way it's supposed to work. And all of this comes... The reason our society is in the mess that it's in, the reason we have a monstrous, I mean a monstrous federal government like we have today, it's because we have not done our responsibilities. Our families have fallen apart and much of that is greatly because we've rejected the structure that God set up. We say, you know what, I'm not going to submit to the authority. I'm not going to submit to the authority of my husband. Kids, I'm not going to submit to the authority of my parents. And then you got family, then a, a, a kids that won't even submit to their parents, they're not going to submit to local law enforcement. They should. Local law enforcement, now they're being told by the federal government you can't do anything that you need to do you know, to keep your community safe and to keep things under control. And so it's like, alright, fine, we can't do anything. Federal government, you do something about it. They shouldn't be doing anything about it. We ought to be able to take care of these things ourselves, but we have destroyed the foundation of what's made our society great. We used to understand authority. We understood biblical authority, and we have got to get back to that. And the reason we have this, we do, we have this abomination of a government like we do today, I believe it's because of this destruction of the family. And I believe that strong individual families are the foundation of our nation. And if they can destroy the family or turn things into families that are not families, then they can destroy this nation. And they are. I mean, you think about how many, you know, you know most people, I heard somebody told me, I heard somebody say one time, proof that gay men can be good parents, the proof of that was from modern family. Because the two dads on there are good dads. That's a TV show. That's not real, okay? But they, they use that as proof. I, I say that to tell you that people think what they see on television is real and that it works. And I, I don't watch a lot of what's out there on TV, but you go, you just think about TV shows that you know of, that you've watched, that are about families, and how many of those are a husband and a wife that got married and had kids? It is very rare. And if you do see one, it's going to be one like an Everybody Loves Raymond where the husband's the idiot and you know, and is always looking bad. It, it always makes that family look bad. You know what that is? That's Hollywood trying to make things that are not normal look normal. And it has worked. And our, and our families have fallen apart. And so that's what we're going to cover next week. The foundation of our society. We need, we need to be hard workers. That's, been ta- that's being taken away. We need... Uh, understanding of authority and how it works and a respect for authority. We do not have that in this country today and we need to get that back. And the next strong family. So with that, let's go ahead and stand together.